0: <clears throat> All right ladies welcome. Uh, this is a um this is a class that began revealing the uh wonderful and uh, incredible commentary of Malbim on Migilat Esther. And uh, we got through I would say most of it which gives us a chance next year to continue delving into that great commentary. And I know that Purim is behind us. However, uh, as the custom in yeshiva, is that just like we have many weeks that we prepare for the holiday, uh, in yeshiva there's also a custom that when the holiday ends, there's some afterthoughts. You know, the holidays don't end uh, like a car at a stop sign, and a screeching halt, and then we move on to the next item. We prepare so much for the holidays, and then they just, what, they leave us? So there's, there's a, a moment after the hog to do what we call contemplation, to try to put things into perspective. Now that it's, be, it's, it's past us, it's beyond us. So please consider this, what we're going to do today, a PS, a postscript to Purim. If you ever wrote a letter... You can't fit everything in the body of the letter, but you have so many ideas, so the way you express it is you put a PS on the bottom, and you say, you know, uh, don't forget to send money, whatever it is. But the point is, Purim also deserves a postscript, and I'd like to offer it uh, today. These are certain ideas that I was thinking about after the holiday, and I'd like to uh, present it to our members. I think it's very, very pertinent. The Megillah must be studied, not as a historical book, merely. The Gemara says, Megillah lo If somebody reads the Megillah out of order, lo You have to read the Megillah in order. Perik Aleph has to come before Perik Bet, and Perik Bet has to come before Perik Gimal, although... I don't understand exactly why the Gemara has to tell us that who's going to read Perek Gimal before Perek Aleph unless they understood that on Purim people do funny things you know, after you drink a little, so that's quite possible so they have to say, hey, make sure you read the Megillah in order but the Bal Shem Tov and the Baruch Memezbosh explained as well both from the city of Mezbosh in Ukraine which I don't recommend anybody to visit those two tzaddikim at this point There's not it'll open up soon and we could visit them again and Rabbi Baruch ben says that if you think that Migilat Esther is Lemafreya, if you think that the lessons that we learn from this story are, you know, it's yesteryear, it's uh, things that happen uh, in times of yore. If you think it's the story of Lemafreya, you're making a mistake. If you read the Migilat and think that it has no applicable uh, pertinent, relevant lessons to the modern day, you're making a big mistake. Lo Loyatza Lo yatsa means in the vernacular, you missed a boat. You read Migilat Esther as just mere history, like the War of 1812, and you didn't apply the lessons of Migilat Esther to uh, Bazemanazer. The goal of the reading is to take Bayamimahem and transport it to Bazemanazer. I would like to do that uh, today. This is a pasuk that I will focus on that I am sure is neglected. And it is not considered a highlight pasuk or a thriller pasuk. If I would ask you for the 10 most uh, dramatic pasukim in Megillat state, it wouldn't make top 10. I don't think it would make top 20 even. And even that there's more than 100 pasukim, I don't think it would make top 100. How do you like that? And I will argue this afternoon to our members... That, it is very, very significant. And I will ask our uh, members present to help me explain the pasuk. I just want to make sure that I'm not, uh, you know, subjective. Maybe I'm not seeing the pasuk correctly, so I'll ask you for your, uh, you know, for your input. The pasuk says that after Queen Esther wins the beauty pageant, against all odds, nobody thought that she would even be uh, a contestant, let alone be in the running. Let alone to win against all odds, as we say. And now she's the uh, she's the queen, or well, she's on the way to become the queen. And the pasuk says, Ubchol yom v'yom, Mordechai metalech lefnechatzar betanashim, la'daat etshelom Esther u'mayaseba." Dear members, explain to me. Ub'chol yom vayom. What does that mean, Ub'chol yom v'yom? Every day. That's the way I understood it also. Ub'chol yom means, like we would say in America, day in and day out. yom And what is Mordechai doing in this Bechol yom v'yom? Mordechai is going. Where is he going? To the place where Esther is being held. Why is he doing it? Because Mordecai is a tzaddik. Lada'at et shalom Esther. He wants to know shalom Esther, which means the welfare of Esther. Why is he concerned? For the simple fact, who is the custodian of Queen Esther? Mordecai. And keep in mind that Esther is a yitoma. She's an orphan. And an orphan, as we know, lo doesn't have anybody to worry about them. So therefore Mordecai, the great tzaddik, says, who's going to worry about this orphan that now is in the hands of uh, this king, this heathen king? So therefore he accepts upon himself (coughs) to make his way to the palace, to know what is the goings-on and what is going to happen with Shalom Ester. Wonderful. Ladies, I just have one question. It may be two, so don't hold me by it. When it says, you've committed to me already, that it means every day. Is that an exaggerated statement? Like sometimes we would say, uh, forever. But we don't mean forever, we mean a long time. So when it says in Megillah, it says, does it mean literally every day? Or it means he frequented very often the palace. How do you learn? Okay, so I think we have a consensus. All I need is two, that's it. You second the motion, so now we have two. And I happen to third the motion, and I agree with you. If the Megillah says, Ubchol yom bayom, this is not people talking the way we talk in exaggerated terminologies, the Megillah is written in kodesh. If the Torah wanted to say that he frequented it, there's another way of saying it. Mizman lezman, from time to time. The fact that the Megillah uses Lashon, Ubchol yom Bayom It means what it says. He went every day. Now I find that kind of amazing because Mordecai is the head of the Sanhedrin. And he still has time to go every day to the palace and to read his Tehilim and to pray and to show his concern about what's going to be with Esther. I have one more question regarding this topic. So you told me it's every day. How long... Was this minhag of Modekai going every day? How long did this every day exercise last for? A week, a month, uh, we'll be bold, and say even a year. What is your opinion on that? Or do you have an opinion on that? Oh, 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 oh. So he's saying very good. I didn't realize that. I would have said, I don't know, every day. How long, how long could you do something every day, by the way? I do that for me every day. That's already a daunting task. It takes seven years to do that. Anything every day for a long period of time is a challenge. Sfat Emet says the following. Sfat Emet says, in what year of the kingdom was Vashti killed? Vashti was killed, or as Ashkenazim say, Vashti, in the third year of the kingdom. Bishnat Shalosh When was Queen Esther installed as the new queen? Bishnat Sheva, in the seventh year. So there was a four-year uh, gap, I guess. Uh, beauty pageant, uh, makeup, cosmetics, all that stuff that Asheros was involved in until he was able to pick a successor to Vashti. So she is chosen in year seven. And when does Haman pick? The lottery. Very good. Year 12. So therefore, it's fair to say that from year 7 to year 12, not too much is going on. And the proof of the pudding is the Megillah tells us zero about what happened between year 7 and year 12. The Megillah jumps from when Queen Esther was nominated as the queen, and then bing! Aharadeh Maele. Haman, and before you know it, he's picking a lottery for the genocide on the 13th of Adar. That means if you'd ask the Jewish people during the 7th to the 12th year, that window of time, they would say it was relatively good time. You know, we had a Jewish queen, but that's not hero there. She didn't do too much for us, she didn't hurt us, she didn't help us too much. Society basically was okay, anti-Semitism was at a... Uh, you know, it was that at a high, it was that at a peak, it was that at a low? It probably was like it is today. There's always anti Semitism. But the Jews don't seem to be in any harm or danger, or it doesn't look like there's anything imminently uh, going to happen between year 7 and 12. Of course, in year 12, then already we start to see that not only are we in danger, but we are in uh, mortal danger for our existence. Uh, this is a genocidal a megalomaniac called Haman that has uh, extermination in his eyes and his intention is that in one day he wants to make the Jews not an endangered species, he wants to make the Jews extinct where there is none of us left. Fine, then we're in trouble. But from 7th to 12th, there's nothing going on. Says Fatimeth something amazing. Mordecai went every day for five years, yom vayom, Mordechai Every day for five years, as long as Queen Esther was there, Mordechai showed up. He took from his schedule in the yeshiva, in the sederin. He came with his Tidim book, he came with his, uh, you know, his prayers, his Torah, whatever he was uh, coming to do, and he stopped off at the palace. Da'at <speaking in Hebrew> Now, to do anything for five years straight talks about a certain amount of discipline and a certain amount of stamina. But the question is, Mordechai, what do you think is going to happen over here? Why are you coming every day? It seems that Mordechai was expecting something. You don't, you don't come to a location every day unless you have some concern that something is about to happen. What was his concern? So the end of the Pasuk says, Lada'at et He wanted to know the welfare. Now listen to the language. Ladies, explain to me. Explain. Oh, very good. And what will they do with her? What will be with her? So he wanted to know what will be with her. Now I have to be honest. When I read those words initially, and what will be with her, it sounds like Mordecai had a doubt. He doesn't know what's going to be with her. And therefore he goes to see how this is going to turn out with Esther. It seems that Mordecai had a different ideas in his brain and therefore, he wasn't certain what's going to be, so then he wanted to... It almost sounds like he was curious. He wants to see how things are going to pair. Curious George. Now, I don't think Bodecah is curious George, with all due respect. And I have a proof to you that when it says in Bible text, "Maya Aseba," "Maya Yaaseba, what's going to be, is not a person who has a doubt. It's a person who knows... Very clear what's going to happen, and I'll give you a proof because I found these words almost exactly somewhere else in Tanakh. Hazaka veruca, you're unbelievable. Come sit over here. Come. Sit over here. So over here it says in the in the in the, in, 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 in Torah, Amram and Yochevet are happily married. They happily divorce. Because they felt that it's not the right time to bring children. After all, was taking the babies and killing them at the, in the birthing canal. And then later on, throwing them into the Nile. Miriam, little girl, has a prophecy and says, Dad, you're depriving us from our Savior. Mashiach, meaning Moshe, is going to be born. And therefore, you got to get back together with mommy. Amram says, fine. He remarries his wife. And sure enough, Miriam is right. Bingo, Moshe is born. And the entire room is filled with light. The Gemara says, Tov is light, like it says. So, therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu brought illumination to the house, and Amram turned to his daughter and said, You're right. Look what came into the world. Three months later, Moshe was found in a basket now, alone, floating in denial. At the vulnerability of the crocodiles, that means there's a great chance that it's going to get devoured by the reptiles in the Nile. This is what happened in Yam And who's there watching this unfold? Yeah. But the pasuk says, "But the achoto merachok Deja vu. Miriam stands by the banks of the river, she stands there, to know what's going to be. Now there, it's not that she had a doubt, either he's going to get eaten by a crocodile or he's going to get saved. That was not what the two sides of Miriam's curiosity there was. She knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that what? Moshe is getting saved. How did she know that? She had a prophecy. And it means, I know something great's going to happen. I just want to see how it's going to happen. That was her curiosity. She did not tell somebody, well, I'm nervous. Either uh, he's going to get devoured or he's going to get saved. No, 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 no. What are you watching? I'm watching something great unfold. I just want to see what's is he going to get saved by a helicopter, he's going to get saved by the outstretched hand of Batya, or maybe God will save him in a different way. There's no doubt in Miriam's mind that something great is going to happen. And the Hafiz Haim proves this from a third time in Tanakh, where it uses this terminology, which is not so well known as the first one. You want to take a crack at it the, the, the third time? Okay, so you, you surrender. Finally. There was a mekoshesh, the mekoshesh is the Mahalil Shabbat. There was a Mahalil Shabbat in the midbar, nothing changes. In the midbar, there was a guy that was mechalel, whatever he did, is a big mechaloket in the Gemara, what the mekoshesh did. Did he chop a tree down? Did he gather wood? Mechaloket, that's for another day. But, it's a mechalel Shabbat, so it says, and they took the Mikoshesh and they put him in a holding cell, in a mishmar. Kilo porash, because it wasn't known to them or clear to them, Ma yaselo, what they should do with it. They didn't know what to do with a So if they put him in a holding cell, waiting to ask Moshe, what do you do with the guy? Now the Afizhaim says, What do you mean they didn't know? They definitely knew what to do with him. A Shabbat on purpose, which he was. He did it. B'mezid, he was intentionally desecrating Shabbat. We know there's a death penalty. So what do you mean they didn't know? Says Hafiz Chaim, no, for sure they knew death penalty. They just didn't know which death penalty. So you see from there, says Hafez Chaim, when it says, there is knowledge of what's going to happen. It's just a detail of how it's going to happen. And therefore, just like the Mekoshes, they knew that he's going to end up getting executed. But they just didn't know, is it sikila Is it Tzerefa? And so to Miriam. She knew that Moshe is going to be saved. She didn't have a doubt. She just didn't know how. And the same thing with Mordechai. When it says, ma yaseba, that he stood there to see what's going to happen to her, he had no doubt that something great was about to happen. He didn't think Esther was gonna die. He didn't think that she was gonna be abducted or she's gonna be abused, but he felt something big is going to happen and he needed to be there. So every day he went in order to uh, anticipate for that great, for that great moment. Now the question is: how did he know something great was gonna happen? Did he know? Had a little birdie come in his ear? So I want to introduce to you uh, exhibit number one that I have here. It's actually a story, not related, at least from the, uh, you know, apparently it doesn't look like it's related. It's in the book of Shemuel Aleph. Chapter 17 Pasuk 36. What's happening at the time is the king is King Shaul and the Jews are now faced with one of the greatest terrorists of all time and he's terrorizing the Jewish people and even King Shaul is scared. The terrorist was called Goliath, Goliath. And Goliath was a monster. This is a Frankenstein. And he's going to come along and he's he has the ability to wreak havoc amongst Klai Israel, and Shaul makes an announcement Rabbotai, do we have any volunteers that are willing to uh, go up against Goliath? And of course, who volunteers? David. Now, David wasn't King David yet. David is uh, not so well known. But when David offers his, uh, his uh, service, he says to the following Tishu, he says, Gam et adov hikah avdecha. Prior to this, now we don't know how much prior, but before this event, David was walking in the street and he was confronted with two wild animals. Now, some people, when they see a, a dog on a leash, they cross the street. I'm one of those. Now, David was confronted with a lion. Don't ask me where this lion came from, and a bear. Now there was no tiger, but there was a bear, a lion, and a bear. And David HaMelech took the lion with his bare hands, and he tore it apart, like you would, like you would tear apart a, uh, you know, piece of paper. And he did the same thing to the bear. So David HaMelech tells Shaul, "Listen, you want my credentials?" I was able to take apart a ferocious lion and a bear, and to me it sounds like, at least when I read it, that David HaMelech is saying, listen, I have the muscle. If you're looking for somebody that has the muscular ability to bring down this animal, I brought down two like him already, so therefore he gave him the credentials as a muscle man. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, I don't I don't think that's the shot over here with, with David Amelie. Because David Amelie can come along and say, I bench press 200 pounds every single day. They can start giving him... And I don't think David thought that it's muscles that is going to bring down Goliath. Because ultimately, as you know, it wasn't David's muscle that brought down Goliath. It was a, a slingshot. Zero to do with any of his uh, strength. Uh, he had good aim. But that's got nothing to do with the lion and the bear. The lion and the bear does not prove us that he had good... Good aim. So obviously, this was something that was supernatural. But David felt that he was the one that was suitable. So that she says in that pasuk in Shemuel, he says, er David, David's talking. Hashem etzilani dov. The God that saved me from these two ferocious animals." He will save me from this pilishti. Rashi. David's talking. Ladies, learn a lesson. God talks to his people, especially the Tzadikim, by giving them simanim, by giving them signs. God still uses that language, and the tzaddikim are very adept, and they understand that language of simanim. They believe that whatever happens to them is premonition from above, and that's God talking to them about something that is incumbent upon them to do. Sometimes God comes to the tzaddik through a prophecy that's clear. Sometimes God comes in Kodesh, and other times He uses the language called. Simanim. And as she says, David was clear that this was a siman. Why would God bring David to a confrontation to these two animals? And if you're going to say, so he can get saved. So don't bring them in the first place it will get saved. Why bring them to him and then he has to overcome them? David understood that this is God's way of saying to David, there's going to come another ferocious animal. And they're going to call for a volunteer. I brought the siman to you because when they call for that volunteer, you are going to have to rise to the occasion. In the place where there's no man, you must rise to be a man. You are going to be that man. This was God telling David, this is your calling. David... Understands the Siman as the she says, This is a deja vu to something that's going to happen. Now, again, I don't know if it happened a day later, a week later, but David, from that point on, after he got the Siman, he was waiting. He was waiting for that moment that this Siman will turn into a life purpose and a life mission. So when Shaul gets up and says, Hey, Rabbotai Goliath, almost a light bulb goes on in David's eyes, in his head. He says, Oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, this is it. And therefore, David wasn't looking at his physical strength, but David said, I have an event that only happened to me and did not happen to anybody else. That's God telling me that it is your responsibility for the sake of Klal Yisrael. And therefore David says, here I am. Says the Rashi. Yisrael, aleha. I can rely on that Siman that I will be victorious. Ve'etzeh. Very good. Understand? Siman. Then the Rashi from nowhere. This is the Rashi in the book of Shemuel. So most people will not study this Rashid when they're reading Megilat Esther Because they would say, what do I have to study about Goliath? I'm not reading Megillat Esther." But She throws in a comment over there that is so important. echad <laughs> tzadikim. David is one of two tzadikim shenatan lahim remes. That God provided a remez, a hint and both David and this other Sadiq were intelligent enough exactly to take the hint and understand that this is not just some coincidence or just some sort of happening that this hint over here is talking to them directly and it will have ramification not only for them but for Chlal Yisrael and take a guess who's the second Sadiq you're so smart. <laughs> that she says, David or Mordechai? Oh, look at this. Mordechai came in the, from the back door of him, the book of Shemuel. Shen-Emar. And look at the basuk that she quotes. Ub-chol yom vayom, Mordechai, mitalech Mordechai is going every day. Why is he going every day? Because he knows something going to happen. The Amar. We did everything humanly possible to protect Queen Esther or Esther from Ashverosh. We hid her in the basement. We told her to go kicking and screaming. We told her to make herself as unappealing as possible. And then we told her... Don't reveal where she comes from. All these things were in order to deter Ahaz from choosing her. We used every trick in the book. And the more tricks we used, the more glamorous and the more attractive Esther becomes to Ahaz And when the guy's scratching his head, he said, it makes no sense. The contestant that should've came in last place in the beauty pageant comes in first place. And nobody can understand it, and she cannot be persuaded to even say which denomination she comes from. Why would the king take a generic? Mordecai says, Oh, something's up. If this is happening, that means Queen Esther must be in that position, not for herself. God is about to do something great for Claudi Yisrael. And therefore the Pasuk says, God is positioning this Jewish woman in this position to bring salvation. Just like David understood that he is in a position to bring salvation to Klai Yisrael by defeating Goliath. He got the siman, he got the hint. Mordechai understood the siman as well, and therefore Mordechai, buchol yom vayom, ladaat maya aseba means not is Queen Esther going to die or she going to live? No, Queen Esther is going to do something great. All Mordechai wanted to know when and how. He did not have a doubt. What? Queen Esther was about to do, she was about to do something that's going to have national ramifications. It's going to have consequence that's going to affect the entire of Goliath Israel. And Mordechai went every day. Now, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you about human nature. Do you know about the fallout syndrome? I'll explain it to you. People fall in, and then they fall out. This always happens with people. In the beginning, everybody's gung-ho. Ra rah, hey, hey, we're going to go. Uh, just remember the first day, the diet. You know, That's it, and then that's it. We're going to make a new, new Kabbalah, it's a new year, it's a new, new hashbon. And then uh, a week or two in, we're back to the cheesecake, and we're back to all the other, all. all the, what happens to the diet, you fall in, you fall out. This is This is normal human nature. Don't, don't think that you're an exception if you have this happen to you sometimes. It happens in institutions also. We need volunteers to be on the committee. The first committee meeting, 20 people show up. Second meeting, there's three people there. The next one, there's one guy there. It ends up, he runs the whole show. As, as Normally it happens. People fall out. You remember when you were in school? The first page of your <laughs> Mahberet. Yeah, yeah. yeah put B'Siyah Tadishmaya on top. Eliyahu Mansur, the date, everything is nice, the teacher's talking, you're writing in the most beautiful script. By the time you get to page four, it's like a prescription of a doctor. Now you're just writing. What happened? In the beginning, I was excited in the beginning and then uh, next. shal Derekhateva, Fallout Syndrome. Do you know what type of stamina this Sadiq Mordechai has? Queen Esther's taken into the palace. Mordechai already says, something's big going to happen. She's there because Hashem wants to do something major to klal Yisrael, and Hashem is positioning the refuah, the remedy before the makkah. And therefore Mordechai goes to the palace the next day. And you know what happens? Nothing. Nothing, more than nothing, zero, negative zero. Now, after a certain amount of time, you come along and say to yourself, you know what, after a year, after two years, after three years, there's not even a remes. there's not even a, 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 a smell, there's not even a, a, an iota of suspicion that something bad is about to happen. As a matter of fact, Klai Yisrael is enjoying a very, very comfortable galut. At a certain point, Mordecai, if he was like us, would say, you know what, enough, enough, I'm going every day, Uh, nothing's going to happen. We would call that false alarm. false alarm, but by the way, and we're used to these false alarms. All day long they tell us something great, and then we wait, look around. Before you know it, nothing happened. And therefore we say, go back to the shigrat, the hayim, go back to the regular, you know, daily routine, the daily grind, as they call it. The greatness of Mordecai was, that even though it was being delayed, that even though it was being, uh, 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 there was a procrastination of some sort taking place over here, but, but Mordecai is that's not my business. Why is it not my business? Because I got the siman already. Just because you get a siman does not mean that the siman has to have a consequence imminently the next day. Therefore, Mordecai says, if it's going to take five years, of course, when it does happen, Mordecai has to be there in order to direct Queen Esther immediately what to do. This is a very important yesot. Yira is teaching us the lesson of Umochoyom Bayom, that once you get a siman, now already you cannot take your eye off the, off the off the result, off the consequence, off the off, at the at, at the end of what this is what this is supposed to happen. What it's supposed to bring to. Now watch what happens. The five years of doing this. Bing! The day came the day that Mudechai says, I told you so. And the people said, I don't believe it. You, you're still here? You're still coming every day? What are you doing? Yeah. Look, I told you. Five years. Haman draws the lottery. And now everybody finds out that there's going to be a genocide. Haman has his version of the final solution. And the pasuk says, Va'ir shushan, which were the locals, navokha, and then it says, All the nations. Wherever the news started to travel. I didn't have WhatsApp in those days, so it'll take a little more time for the news to travel. Great morning for the Yehudim. It's a great morning for sakva Yehudim. The people were walking in the streets sack of effort, with ashes and sackcloth because they knew they were in trouble. And Mordecai said, I knew it. I knew this not today and not yesterday. I knew this five years ago when Queen Esther became the... I was waiting for this day and here it is. And therefore now he comes to the courtyard today, but not dressed in his black suit and his white shirt and his uh, top hat. Like Rosh Hashiva came. That day he came as somebody that was in mourning. M-O-U-R-N-I. And he comes there and Queen Esther looks out the window. What is he doing? This is not against, this is against the protocol. You don't come to the palace, to the gates, dressed like this. She sends out her trusted, loyal messenger, Hatach. Go find out. What is going on over here? Modechai reveals to Queen Esther, you don't know the trouble that we're in. Since the founding of our people, we might not have found ourselves in greater trouble than the moment that we are in now. And therefore, Hatach, go tell Queen Esther that the nation is relying on her. She is the queen and she's Jewish and she must petition the king in order to save her nation. Queen Esther initially does not understand what Mordecai understands. Queen Esther answers back, Listen, the king has to invite me. You don't go into the king unannounced. That's a death sentence and I haven't been called. So I'm due. And therefore, please go tell Mordecai that I am not prepared yet to go into the king Although it's important, I'm not prepared to go in unannounced yet. My opinion, Queen Esther says, wait. Mordechai hears this response and understands that Queen Esther clearly does not understand. Mordecai comes along and says, You think that it was a coincidence that you became this queen? You think that this was all just what? a bunch of, a perfect storm that coincidentally landed on your head and now we have a Jewish... The whole purpose of why God orchestrated that you should become the queen of Persia and Madai is for this moment. Nothing else. You have no right, Queen Esther, to delay because once the mission becomes obvious and clear, you must act now. If you delay... So now already you are missing your tikkun, you are missing your purpose, you're missing your calling. That would be similar to David telling Shaul, when Shaul said, "We need somebody to kill Goliath," and David saying, oh, "Not now. You know, I have to have breakfast first. I have to, I'm, on, I'm going on a two week excursion. When I come back from my cruise, if Goliath's still around, I'll handle it." What are you talking about? You got the sign. Once you get the sign and the sign presents itself into a reality, you don't have an option to do anything else except execute. Understand what's going on? Queen Esther now does not have an option, Mordecai will say, to wait till tomorrow, to wait, wait till tomorrow. That means you're now in a position and you have a purpose and you're not fulfilling it. Waiting till tomorrow is not fulfilling your purpose. Once we know the objective, you must jump into action immediately. And any delay will be considered delinquency. And any delay of you jumping into action will be considered that you are in contempt of your purpose. This is strong language of Mordechai. Al tiddami, Do not think for a minute. And then Mordechai comes along. Oh, oh, And Then he tells Queen Esther, this is the moment I've been waiting for for five years. And now we know the purpose. But Queen Esther, let me tell you your options. You go, and we see what happens. God runs the world. You don't go. Ki <laughs> Harishi. Ladies, explain. What does it mean? But if you choose to. Remain quiet. Very good. If you choose to remain quiet at this moment. Now, did you notice that there's a double language here? Now, I always thought that's for effect. The Torah many times will repeat words twice for dram- dramatic effect. And if you will be silent in this moment. But I opened the Midrash and the Midrash says, no, there's no effect here. This is actually a very, very strong musar that Mordechai would give. Mordechai was saying the following. Ki Everybody came to this world to fulfill a purpose. You take the mashal of a musician that's in a orchestra and all the musicians are playing. And one musician decides to sit out that, that piece and he puts his violin on his, on his knee and he puts his bow down and he's silent. And everybody's playing and this fellow chooses to be silent. He doesn't play his music. You have no doubt that the conductor will tell him because you were silent here, you will be silent in the future as well. You could put your violin and retire it. This silence will lead to another silence. Understood? Queen Esther was being told by Mordechai, you don't think, you think, just because you're the queen, you think that you are uh, going to be exempt from the Day of Reckoning? In 120 years when you have to stand in front of Bet Din and the Bet Din is going to question you, Esther. I gave you the signs. I put you in a place where you never imagined you could be. And you didn't spring into action, you were silent. Mordechai said, if you're going to remain silent now, you're going to be silent when they hold you responsible and biddin Shilmala, you're not gonna have an answer. <laughs> You don't think they're going to hold you responsible? What are you going to answer, Betty, when they say, how come you didn't go in? What are you going to tell them? I was scared. He didn't invite me. God's going to say, you're not any old queen. I gave you the siman. Mordecai was coming every day, praying for this moment. And when the moment came, you just uh, were delinquent? And Queen Esther, when they tell you that in heaven, you know what your reaction is going to be? The harishi. You're not going to be able to answer. So if you don't want to be Taharishi, then you better say something now. If you say something now, you'll have what to say in Bedin. But if you have nothing to say now, that's going to repeat itself. This taharishi is going to lead to another when they When they claim against you, you're not going to have an answer. So it's not the time to be silent because Mitzvah goreret Avera, Mitzvah goreiret Mitzvah, Avera Avera, and a harishi goremet a harishi. Queen Esther gets the Musar like we're getting the Musar. And Queen Esther says, yes. And she goes in, and she's Moseret Nefesh. And you know exactly how it ended. We read the Megillah. I don't have to spoil it for you. You read the Megillah a few days ago. Everybody knows that. The Jews loved happily ever after. That's my thoughts as I come a few days after Purim, Tavshin, uh, Pebet, 5782. I think about these Pesukim and these concepts. My Rabbi Akham Baruch, used to say to us always, which means if you're a Hakam, if you're clever, it's enough to give a clever person a Remez. A Remez means a hint. And if a person's clever, he gets the hint. A wise man understands nuance. You don't have to tell the wise man explicitly what you want from him. You just have to make a, 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 an indication. When we were with the rabbi, his students that were close to him, the rabbi would wink, you know, he needed to see dude. The rabbi wants to quote, you, you knew already from his, his body language. Now, there were others that were not so clever, the rabbi would tell them for something, and they didn't know what he wanted. A Tepesh, a fool, he could give it to them explicitly with big letters. He doesn't understand what you're talking about. But, David was a Hakam. He got the remez. Mordecai, hacham. He got the remez. They knew. Our generation... We're not such hakamim. I'm talking about myself. And my opinion is that over the past three years, God is now giving the entire world, not rimazim, and not simanim anymore. This is not... You know, something that needs an interpretation, and you know, what does it mean? And is, it, is this a sign or not? Or am I reading it right? These things, I would say now, are bold, capital letters, obvious. You can even glow in the dark. This you can see under all circumstances. Today is the the, the yard side of the of the pandemic when it started. Do we remember where we were three years ago? I was coming home from the city with my son Judah. We had dinner. And Judah turns to me and says, Dad, what do you think? Is this Is a serious item? I, said, I don't know Judah. It's China. Wuhan. You know, something over there. I'm not, I'm not too... As I'm talking, I get an email from Mag and David. Yeshiva. We're closing the yeshiva. Dad, what do you think? I said, okay, listen. They, they had no snow days this year. Abundance of caution. It's Thursday anyway. It's Wednesday. It's closed for the weekend, just in case something, okay, I don't have a problem. I'm not not so concerned. I don't know. Turn on the radio. President Trump just announced no transatlantic flights to Europe. Dad, what do you think? uh, It's something serious. I don't remember ever stopping flights to Europe. People have to travel but you know what? It's just for again, a couple of days. They're just doing it just to get everything in order. They can't, I don't care if they keep flights, uh, transatlantic flights. I don't know they go to the airport. I'm not so sure. And then we turn on the radio again. Breaking report. The NBA has canceled the season. As a Judah, now it's serious. You know, he closed the yeshiva. Okay, you know, basketball. <laughs> That's it. It's over. And then all the other, and MLB, and NHL, and NFL, they all piled on. And before you knew it, there were no more sports in America. They canceled sports. That you don't cancel unless it's serious. And I told my son, yeah, that is serious. That, that's serious. And, and now we were right, obviously, because after that, now I want to ask you a question. That's not a siman. I asked my father, "Dad, you remember anything remotely like this?" Because they always, all the old times, remember. Oh yeah, you're you're young. You don't remember. We happened. This happened in 1953. You know, we don't remember this lockdown. We, we, We can't go to Pesach. We can't do anything. And you remember how we felt that Pesach? If you asked anybody, they said, "This is it. Mashiach is coming," because the Jews had a mandatory quarantine in Egypt the night before we left. Be and that's the sign of redemption. It has to be, the precursor is a quarantine. And then, uh, so we left our doors open Pesach, and we figured for sure by the time we wake up, we're going to wake up in Jerusalem. Pesach came and went and, We're still here, we're still here in Brooklyn, beautiful Brooklyn, fine, and then what happens, because it doesn't happen and we don't have patience, so what do we say? False alarm, okay, back to the normal, and then we went through a year of vaccines. And that whole story, you can't go there, and you can't go into a restaurant, you can't get on a plane, you have to take a vaccine and a booster and a cleady and a cliche, cliche, clean, One booster for all the Ush until we finished all the Ush I have no opinion on booster, ask your doctor. But the point is we went through that whole saga of whatever they were doing to us, and then add to the riots. Remember how uncomfortable we felt living in this country? And all of a sudden, you hear people starting to talk like they never talked. Maybe we should move to Israel. What are we doing here? All the people pop up. I'm selling apartments in Israel. I'm making a village. I'm making a town. I'm making a community. I'm making a city. And everybody's signing up here. Sign me up. Sign me up. We've got to get out of here. There's no law and order in this place. It's anarchy. It's a, it's a... One night, I, w- I was in Brooklyn here. It was in June. And um, they were making a little pro- protest. That became the word. Everybody's making a protest in Asbury Park. And some of the guys some Deal and said, Rabbi, so where are you? You in Deal? I don't know, Brooklyn. He said, Oh, of course, if you're in Deal, don't worry. Don't worry, what? What are you talking about? Don't worry. He says, We have a group of guys that we all have guns and we're ready. Ready for what? Because the police said they could come in, they could come in and they could start radio. So we're going to stand on Ocean Avenue, all of us. Vigilant Syrian army. Syrian vigilante army now with guns. Who's talking like this? So, Sergeant, who's, who was that on the phone? Nobody. I'm not going to scare her. Who was it? What are you talking about guns? Nothing. Who was it? I didn't want to scare her. But you see what's going on at the time. That was a regular, normal phone call that was taking place. And you're saying to yourself, "What has happened to this country? Simanim? That's the Magiels coming." And then finally, a month ago, they told us, "Rabotai, we could officially announce at least in our neighborhoods, it's over. Put your masks in guinza." You could go into the restaurant, you can live a normal life, and everything's very and we say, Oh, Baruch Hashem, finish with this. And then Russia invades Ukraine. And now we start a war. And now we say, What's going on over here? Now what's going on over here? We say, okay, this is a this is a small little item, and that small item. Now it becomes all-to-do. Now we're hearing World War II terminology, nuclear words that we never heard in our lives, at my life. These are not simanim anymore. These are major events that you don't have to be so clever to understand that what the is is up to something. But I have to tell you, personally, I haven't, most of this time, I haven't lost sleep. I told my family during the pandemic, you have nothing to worry about. Rav Chaim Kanievsky. It's an unstable world, but you have gedolim like this rabbi that's so holy that in an unstable world he can balance it a little and he's not getting nervous you know he didn't say anything you know uh, so uh, shocking It'll scare us to have to death so uh, as long as he's good we're good and then vaccines he had his opinion the rabbi no problem and then the war like, quiet and now takes that he takes the stability he takes the this is not something insignificant Anytime Gidolei Yisrael leave us, it's a great tragedy, and it's a great concern for everybody. But to take Gidolei Yisrael in an already unstable world, which is usually the world is stable, and then the Gidolim leave, and then all of a sudden it gets rocky. But if the world is rocky already, with the Gidolim, now you take that pillar and you move him out of the equation, now nobody can say that this is not Simbanim. These are very clear signs. Now let me explain to you to put it into perspective. If you would ask me now what time of period are we in if we had to compare ourselves to Megilat Estir? In which chapter of Migilat Estir? Because remember I started this class by saying the Megilat is not an old book. The Megilat is a current book. So we, I wanted to put ourselves us coming people that are here, where are we? We are at the Pasuk Ubchod Yom Vayom Mordechai Metalech. The Simanim have been given and now we're just waiting for something big to happen. We're at the window between the fifth year and the twelfth year. This is where we're standing right now without a doubt. Ubchol Yom Vayom. Now already the Simanim were delivered. Now we're just waiting for this great event, which obviously, what I'm saying, why why, why, why am I doing this? I'm doing this to bring a a tikkun, a rectification to the world through Mashiach. And therefore, now is not the time for us to become hopeless or to become less Jewish or less observant. Now we can see the finish line already. Now, now is the obligation to stand vigilant every day. And even though it doesn't happen on our time, calendar. We are born in a generation where we put raw food in a microwave, and two minutes later, it's cooked. So therefore, if it doesn't happen in two minutes, already we say, uh, forget it, I'm out. Geulah doesn't happen that way. It took from the fifth year for the twelfth year to see. Now, in Miriam's case, it happened that second. But it doesn't always happen that way. In our case, it seems that even though these events are major, it's not bringing the Giula tomorrow. It should be, but is right, that even though there is a delay, we must remain vigilant and not fall out at the, end of the, at the end of the road. But I will tell you what's going to happen. And it's happening. Not here, thank God, but in the world at large. When Mordechai went to the palace every day, waiting for the big thing to happen. Who saw him every day at the palace? Haman. And what was Mordecai's reaction? And the Kabbalists tell us that at the time of the future Geulah, when we're going to be anticipating great things, you don't think the Haman is going to be standing, Yetzirah is not going to be standing there? The Yetzirah is going to be there at the end of time trying to get as many of us to fall so we don't merit the final redemption. Look what's going on to the youth in our generation. Where are they? They're falling. Yes, We're we're in a bubble over here in the well. We have a few tzedekaniyot that come together to learn Torah in the middle of the day and we think, oh, everybody's like us. I'm sorry to tell you, it's not the case. Where's the Shabbat of the youth? Where's the Kashrut? Where's all the mitzvot? And they went to Yeshiva, most of these people. And the yitzra, I don't judge them. The Yetzra is so strong. It's a big Yetzra. And therefore, they're all bowing to Haman. They're all bowing. As we're waiting for this moment, we're waiting for the great things. Haman is getting many people that's bowing to him. And unfortunately, they're subscribing to that that culture of Haman. This is the Mordecai's of our generation, the girls over here that are sitting, and that's our calling at this time. Five years ago, four years ago, when Russia invaded Crimea, <laughs> who knows Russia, who cares about Crimea, we don't even know where it is on the map, they don't export anything to us, so good luck to Crimea. It's not like we're going to lose anything. They don't, we Orange juice, we don't get from Crimea. What else do you need? Cream cheese? We don't get from What do you need? Uh, 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 silk ties? We don't get. So therefore, let them take it. But Ramosha Sturmbach, when it happened, wrote a letter. When they get to leave, And he said, oh, here it is. We have a tradition from the Gaon, the Vilna, that when Russia invades Crimea, put on your suit for Mashiach. Uh, here it is. That's what he said. Now, what happened the next day? Everybody said, oh, you saw the letter, the government of Ilna, Crimea, that's what he predicted, is happening. And then they waited a week, and nothing happened. And they didn't have the stamina of Mordecai, of Umechol, yom by yom. So what did they do? Yeah. Ah, who's this guy anyway? my Sternbach, of I never heard of him, I never heard of him. And I, where is it written in the government? I want to see it written. All the, you know, the critics and the cynics are coming out. And, uh, and go back to normal. But guess what? Five years later, four years later, maybe the government was right. Because now you're seeing that that started in Crimea. It didn't end in Crimea. Now it's starting to go into other areas. And it's starting to be a concern. People are definitely concerned about it. My point is, I have good news, by the way. I know some of you... Uh, 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 uh-huh. So you are saying, where did we come here today for? Guys, guy scared us after to death. No, it's, it's not to scare you at all. Because Mashiach is ultimately a good thing. And by the way, all the examples I gave you, if you noticed, we prevailed. When Miriam was standing by the banks of the river to see what's going to happen, what ended up happening, Moshe was saved, and we prevailed. And when Mordecai stood by the palace to see what's going to happen with Esther, ultimately, we prevailed. And when David took the siman; he beat Koliat. So we know how it ends. The end always ends with Klai Israel prevailing. But it does not mean that we're not supposed to make the spiritual efforts and the spiritual preparations. So, therefore, in these moments of Ubchol Yom Vayom Dechai Metalech, this is moments where we're just now waiting for the. And I conclude. Ki Maharesh Taharishi. We're going to be silent now. We're not going to have an excuse to tell God, well, we had no signs. You know, you, you blindsided us with Mashiach. Nobody's going to be able to say you were blindsided. If he comes tomorrow, you know what everybody's going to say? We knew it. We knew it. We knew it. Nobody's going to say, well, I don't believe it. I can't believe it. He came from nowhere. Where did this guy come from? We're waiting for the guy for 5,000 years. He just showed up out of nowhere. That you would have said five years ago. But if he comes tomorrow, you're going to say, there you go. I could have predicted. And therefore, God's going to say, I gave you all the signs and you were still quiet. You didn't make spiritual uh, 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 elevation. You didn't make spiritual moves. You didn't get closer to me. If you don't play now the music, they're not going to let you play later. If you're silent now, the silence is going to lead to another silence in your Medin. But the good news is that the people here are not silent. The people of Baruch Hashem are holding two violins at the same time, and they're playing a lot of music. And therefore, Mitzvah just like we've been motivated in these moments of Mashiach, so too God will say, because you were very, very noisy spiritually at the time of That noise will continue in a positive, a melodious voice and a melodious sound.